Hi everyone, this is Sally and this is a rather special episode of A to Easy in which we're only going to be talking about revision tips and tricks for your year three exams coming up this summer. So just a few disclaimers before we all start. Firstly, I'm talking specifically to Imperial College London Year 3 students, so I'm afraid if you're listening from another university, this may not make much sense to you. For a bit of context, Year 3 is the first clinical year, and therefore the exams at the end of the year consist of your first OSCEs and two written papers. Second disclaimer, so as I said, my name's Sally and I'm a final year student at Imperial College London. I'm giving these tips and tricks on the authority that in third year, I came ninth in the OSCE and I came first in the written papers, which coupled with my ethics result meant that I came top overall in the year. However, we all learn really, really differently. In this episode, I'm gonna give the best advice I can from my perspective of how I learn, but you may learn really, really differently and have your own methods that give you, will give you better results. So please do bear that in mind. But let's get going. I'm going to be talking about first OSCEs and then the written papers. For both of them, I'm going to give you the resources that I would recommend and an idea of a timeline you can put in place to ensure that you cover all the content in the amount of time that you have. First of all, OSCE. Resources in OSCE, there's not a huge amount, I'm not going to lie. There are some textbooks that can give you um, more detail on each of the examinations and specifics behind each sign that you may see. But I personally didn't use them. I found that I got enough information on that kind of thing from my clinical teaching fellows on my placements. If you feel like you haven't got that from your clinical teaching fellows, you may need a textbook to supplement. But I would warn that the textbooks often go into a lot of detail isn't actually necessary for OSCE, which is quite a simple mark scheme. But that does move me on to the resource I would definitely recommend to OSCE, which are mark schemes. So every time someone does a mock OSCE, they will receive their own personalised mark scheme for that OSCE, showing what they did and didn't get. If you haven't done a mock OSCE yet, which I'm assuming you haven't if you're listening to this in January, ask old years for copies of theirs. They're not using them anymore, but I bet you they will look at them. Use these mark schemes to make sure you really know every single step you need to do for each of your examinations, as well as some of the common viva questions that come up for each system. The other resources I would recommend for OSCE, I would use websites. I personally found OSCE Stop, the PDFs you can print off that have details of the examination on them, really helpful because they have got a little bit of extra niche detail, but it's not overwhelming like a textbook. I also found Simple OSCE really good for practicing with friends because you can tick it off as long as you go and it's timed so you can make sure you're sticking within the time limit of the OSCE station. That's all the resources for OSCE, pretty brief. The timeline though is important. We're releasing this episode in January for a reason because that's when you should really start to get a bit serious about OSCE. If you haven't thought about it at all this year so far, that's fine, don't worry, but now's the time to focus. I would say in January you have two main priorities. Number one, is to start asking for leftover kit from your ClinSkill sessions. You actually haven't got that many ClinSkill sessions left between now and the end of the year. They stop much earlier than your placements. And around that time, there is no way any clinical skills tutor will give you leftover kit because they need everything they can for the actual OSCE. Therefore, from January onwards, at the end of each of your clinical skills classes, ask if you can take home your used cannula or your used suturing kit. Most of them will say yes, and it means you've built up this reserve that means you can practice at home whenever you like, including those weeks before the OSCE when you're not in clean skills and you're not in placement. 
So that's number one priority for January. Start asking now. Ask politely. You've got lots of time. Second priority in January is, I would say, is to get your presentations down. That bit at the end of the examination where you say, I have performed an examination on Mrs X and X world, whatever. Okay? This is always the weakest point for everybody in OSCE. I personally wrote scripts for each system that had sort of replaceable parts in them. Then I learnt them all in January, so it meant that then every practice I did from January onwards, I had my presentation ready and the presentation only got slicker and slicker each time. To compare this to not learning a script now, it means that you'll probably focus on getting the examination down now, which is also very important, and you'll think about the script in April, May, at which point your head's really full of other things and it's hard to make something very slick in that amount of time. So I would say January, write your scripts for your presentations, if that's how you learn, or at least get practising them, get confident with the language, get confident with the common signs that you'll need to slip in and the important negatives for each system. So that's January. Get your clean skills kit sorted and get your OSCE presentation scripts down. Next, you're going to be thinking about the OSCE practice, and that's your core component of preparing for OSCE from now all the way up until the exam. I'm sure you guys know what OSCE practice is, but for anyone who doesn't, that just means a sort of play acting where one of you pretends to be the patient, make up some interesting signs, one of you pretends to be the student, the candidate, and one of you pretends to be the examiner, and you go through the rigmarole of OSCE. It's really, really useful for making sure you're getting down to time and to notice those really weird things that you say that you don't hear anymore, but that other people would definitely pick up on. This year, because of the circumstances, the only option is to be doing this with your flatmates. So lay some ground rules to make sure that it is sustainable. Maybe set a set time every week. I would say twice a week is ideal if you guys can fit it in. I would also say make a time limit to stopping as well, otherwise it can take up an entire evening because you'll all argue about the diagnosis or certain ways of saying things. But setting a time limit on it, being like, we're going to do it from 5pm to 7pm on this day, this week, just really helps to avoid that. You know, and try and be tough with each other. Previously, when I've given advice to other people, I'd say choose people who aren't your friends because they're more likely to actually give you realistic feedback. You, you guys, we're a bit limited this year with that option. So yeah, try and be a bit tough, be a bit critical. But then thirdly, make sure you remember that these are your flatmates. You've got to live with them. And maybe there should be some kind of rule like what is said in OSCE stays in OSCE, you know? And that's it, really. OSCE practice is a mainstay because OSCEs at the end of the day, they're 75% performance. The key candidates that stand out are the ones that don't flinch when there's an unexpected sign or can actually, you know, laugh and make a joke with the patient while it's going on. They're clearly comfortable. And that just comes with practice. Everyone can achieve that. The more practice you are, the more confident you are and the more able you'll be able to be and the more able you are to roll with the punches on the day. Right, on to writtens. So there is a lot of content you need to cover for written exams. I remember the overwhelming feeling of entering third year and looking at Sophia and basically seeing the whole of medicine on there. It can feel like an insurmountable amount to learn. So what I would recommend at this point in the year, January, if you haven't already, is number one, finding just a handful of resources that work for you. And number two, making a very specific structure for how you'll use these resources to revise. It sounds really simple, doesn't it? I'm not, I'm not giving you groundbreaking stuff here. Most of this is common sense. I say just a handful of resources because there is so much choice. And as I said before, different methods work for different people. 
For example, third year medicine is basically general med, so you could use one of thousands of textbooks. You could just use BMJ Best Practice. You could just use NICE. You could use an app. You could use a meta platform. There's literally so much choice. But then that can cause complications, right? Because then it's really easy to flip from one to the other. You might use one for firms. You might do some flashcards on the commute. You might use like an old year's notes in the lectures. You might have done that all the way up until January, and that is what most people do. But now is the time to focus it in and work out which resources are going to cover the most content for you most efficiently. I'm now going to run through the resources I used and how I made a structure out of them to ensure I had properly covered all the content. But please do remember there are a million ways to go about this, and this is just one way. Take what I'm saying as inspiration, motivation, maybe a framework, but not a manual, alright? So, the resources I used... There were three main ones. First of all was an old year's notes from the ICSM note bank. The ones I chose were Laz's notes, but there are probably more up-to-date notes on there now. I used Laz's notes because they matched up to every single LO on Sophia, so I could be confident that by going through his notes, I would cover every learning objective without having to deal with Sophia myself. <laughs> My second resource was the book Oxford Clinical Cases, which is the one with like a red and white cover. I use this because it had a couple of reasons. It had some really good summaries of symptom constellations, like really good tables and flowcharts that help me understand how symptoms could lead to differentials. This was important to me because when you read the questions in the exam, they're going to be about a patient coming in with a cough. They're not going to be about necessarily a patient saying they have pneumonia, right? So Oxford Clinical Cases kept me in that like exam mindset of sorting symptoms into differentials, the detail of which I could then back up from my going through the Lazarus notes. The third resource I used a lot were Amir Sam's lectures from DPD. These are gold. Think about it. He and Miriam are the ones that oversee the setting of the written exams. They have seen every single question in that written exam. Amir Sam, the amazing man that he is, gives a lot of what you need in those six or seven lectures in DPD. And they're also in a really great accessible to learn format. It's not a tool to go through them. Maybe an extra resource I would add on the end to that is past paper questions, question books, just from the library or from Google Drives from older years. I just did a couple of these a day to kind of keep my head in the question mode and also a bit of a confidence boost sometimes when you're getting questions right because you've learned something from the week before. So to summarise, I used an older years notes, Lazarus notes, Oxford clinical cases, Amir Sam's lectures, and on the side, some past paper questions. Now let's talk structure. Again, we all learn really differently, so take what I'm saying with a pinch of salt. I know that in order to learn something, what I need to do is repeat it multiple times. I'm not a crammer, I've not got a photographic memory. So I sat down and I worked out how many weeks were between right now and a date two weeks before the first exam. I say a date two weeks before the first exam because you don't want to rely on learning new content in those last two weeks. Those last two weeks are for practice questions and perfecting your OSCE technique. So if you guys are listening to this in January, and I'm assuming exams are in sort of May time, you've got around four months or 16 weeks, right? Then I worked out for each of my resources how many times I would want to repeat that content to be confident that I knew it. For Laz's notes, as this was my most valuable resource covering every single LO, I thought I really want to go through this content three times, even though it's hefty. For Oxford clinical cases, useful but not like LO prescribed content, maybe just twice. And for Amir Sam's lectures, again, I really want to go through them three or four times each over the four months, to be honest. 
And then it's just simple maths, isn't it? You've got 16 weeks, so you can work out exactly how many pages of Lazarus notes, how many cases from Oxford Clean Cases, how many flashcards, how many flowcharts, how many pages of your own notes, whatever you're using, however many you need to go through each week to cover all of the content multiple times before that two weeks before the exam. And that's how I did it. I know it doesn't work for everybody, but I would argue that it does really compartmentalise your work because if I knew that every day I needed to perhaps go through 10 pages of Laz's notes, one case from Oxford Clean Cases, I maybe want to do five questions, that amount of work would maybe take me two hours and I could compartmentalise it. I could fit it around what I was doing in the evening. I could do maybe an hour in my lunch break if I had a chill firm, that kind of thing. And it is flexible. If you have a really busy few days, then maybe you want to just spend a little bit more time over the weekend in the library. Or maybe you want to just say per week, I'd like to get through this amount of work. And that allows you to shift it according to your schedule. It just ensures that everything does get covered properly and you're not drowning in volume and you're not super stressed in the last few weeks before the exam. You know you've covered everything and you know you've covered it well. My last three tips for writtens, whatever your structure, are number one, think about management. You'll notice that on Sophia, you actually only need to know the management of certain conditions, not all of them. Therefore, it's logical to assume that there will be plenty of questions on the management of these conditions in the exam. At least there was in my year, it seemed a disproportionate amount, but that just might be my remembering it back. So as you're learning your content in whatever way you're learning it, make sure you're aware of these conditions that you need to know management for. Maybe keep them in a separate file, have a separate list of them to refer back to, and make sure you're prioritising actually learning that management really well, the nitty gritty of it. Last tip number two, in terms of using questions from past papers, question banks, online things, whatever, I would strongly recommend leaving a protected chunk for that last two weeks before exams when your usual structure finishes. Trust me, you will want something new to look at by then. And again, it will be a confidence boost, I promise you. And my tip number three, do not avoid the topics you hate. There will be parts of the content that you just will not want to learn ever. For me, it's a majority of cardio and quite a lot of heme. What I did, which again may may not work for you, is that whenever I came across a topic like that, I just really didn't want to learn, you know, that flow chart of the clotting pathway for heme or something... I would make a note of it and I would put the diagram flowchart note whatever in like a separate folder on my computer and then about maybe a month before exams I started to allocate just like 30 minute blocks to purely look at the stuff in that file. For some reason it did seem much more manageable to learn when I was only learning that bit rather than like trying to learn that bit I didn't like as well as a whole load of other papers and other pages. Again, I like compartmentalising it, and this was, like, perfect for me. And fun fact, um, feel free to completely judge me for this. I used to call this folder the revision prescriptions. Yeah, I know. And that's it. To finish, I would just like to say that exams aren't the be-all and end-all. I know loads of people who revised way later than January and did absolutely fine. This episode is really for the keen beans. My final, final piece of advice is more general. Something I started doing in third year was actually just taking a whole day off each week from med school. For me, it's usually Sundays. I turn off my phone. I don't do any society stuff or work at all. And it's it's amazing, honestly. I still do it now in final year, hoping to do it as long as I can. And 
I'm really glad that I started the habit in third year when work started to feel a bit more all-consuming than it had before. And as I say, I did that all through third year. I worked on a six-day week, essentially, and I still did really well at the end. So just remember that no matter how busy term feels or how much work it seems there is to do, it's 150% okay to take breaks, take days off, and get some perspective on it. And I'll finish there. I hope this was helpful and we would really appreciate any feedback to a to easy at gmail.com. And good luck.